Welcome, Redeem, and every individual who's going to be able to have an opportunity to hear this message. I'm excited today because I want to go on record as saying I am really tired of COVID. You know, it's interesting. I've never felt more disconnected with people at a time when I needed people the most. Now, I don't know where you're at or, you know, what's going on in your surroundings, but it's, it's been an arduous journey to walk through this. And it's interesting because I was thinking back of some of the advice that's been given to me over the years when things are hard. And, and you know, make no mistake, things really are hard. We got uh, phone calls last night from two people that I really know and care about who have COVID and they're very sick. And it's just hard to hear that. And then even being able to know how to go and help and encourage and minister to them uh, while needing to be disconnected from them. It's just a crazy time to live. And anyway, so I was thinking back on some of the great advice at one time a pretty well-known speaker and a sharp individual named Dudley Hall. I was at a uh, RL church and he was speaking there. And he said, sometimes the only way out is the way through. And the way through is the way out. And somehow that really helped me. You know, in other words, don't give up. Keep going. Because the only way out is to go through this. But the good news is the way out is because you went through it. And then uh, as I was thinking of trying to console some of these other individuals with that advice. I wasn't so sure it was going to help. In other words, just stay sick. Maybe it'll get better. And uh, that, you know, it wasn't landing necessarily for me in terms of COVID. And so this is what I, I kind of thought as I was reflecting, is I felt like the Lord was saying, you know, if you could just look beyond, if you could go into a place that's above and beyond COVID, a place with hope, go into the future, grab that better tomorrow, Take some hope from it, bring it back to your moment right now, and let that hope fuel you to get through it. Because the way through it is the way out. But we don't want to just drudge our way through it. We want to have some hope that energizes us and fuels us. And maybe even being able to plan on what we can do while we are disconnected and isolated. And so maybe there's an opportunity for us if we're not feeling overly discouraged, if we don't feel stuck, coming back to what can we do. Well, in some sense... We're getting ready to look at the book of Colossians. It's so fascinating to me. Colossians is a book that was written by a man named Paul, one of the uh, great writers of the New Testament. He's 55 years old. He's always wanted to go to Colossae. He's wanted to be able to impart instruction and get to know the people, and yet he finds himself literally in prison in Rome. They call uh, the book one of the prison epistles. And so here he is in that almost same predicament of not being able to get to be with the ones that he wants, not being able to really uh, plan together. And so what he does instead is he writes them a letter. And, and the letter is about, it's less than 2,000 words. And so I'm going to ask that we as a church uh, do something right now for this season. That what we do is we go all the way through this book. Because I mean, sometimes when you get a letter, you might just go to one place you know, where one verse, and you'll get something out of it, but you won't get the fullness of what it could mean. And so we don't want to just, you know, give a teaser that says, you know, the way out's the way through, and the way through is the way out. That, that's good, but let's look at what really could happen when you read the whole letter. And so we're going to be taking one paragraph per week between now and Resurrection Day. And so uh, you're going to be able to see that the book of Colossians is this letter written by Paul who says, there's some things that you need to make sure that you do to set yourself up for success. He's going as a 55-year-old who's in prison. These are some things 
that I've been able to reflect on. And I know that when you get these things right, everything else will fall into place. And if you miss these things, then it doesn't matter whether you're in prison or not, life's not so great. And so we're gonna see that. So would you make a commitment to go through this uh, amazing book of the Bible with us? And would you even ask yourself, what would happen if I just read a paragraph a day? I'm not even asking that you read a whole chapter a day. Maybe you read the whole thing uh, once to get an overview, but we're gonna go and we're gonna take it in a sense, word by word, thought by thought, so it can really land and penetrate in our lives. And I think that's one of the reasons uh, I love the Bible is because the Bible actually is a letter. Sometimes we think it's a, a book and it's a, it's a compilation of 66 smaller books or writings. And, uh, and a lot of them are actual letters of care, of intent to be able to impart wisdom and encouragement to the readers. And so in this case, I want you to see the Bible not as a document, not even as a book, but I want us to be able to see it as a letter written to somebody who genuinely cares about us and is trying to help us as we navigate our way through difficult circumstances. And uh, it also, the Bible's important to me because I do see it like as a way to navigate through life. I see it as a chart uh, or a map. And so the, the things in here aren't just, we care about you, here's some good ideas. For me, what I'm trying to better understand is God himself. I'm trying to understand an invisible forever kingdom while I live in a visible one that's temporal. It's already so hard. And I mean, it reminds me of a time I was um, 22 years old. I was in the Bering Sea commercial fishing. It's the first time I'd ever done that. And I was on a 38-foot boat in the Bering Sea, which already uh, has a, uh, a difficulty factor that uh, I can't advise anybody to do that. I did it for one season, one year, and, and I was so thankful I escaped with my wife. Um, but I remember the very first time we were out in the Bering Sea, we wanted to be able to uh, get off the boat. You're on this boat all the time. And I took a chart, and on, so we had the charts of the open waters, and on it right above the high tide line, I saw a, a thermal springs. And so I talked to our skipper. I said, I'd love to be able to go see that thermal springs. I mean, we're talking, it's frozen. Everything's frozen. It's the tundra. And just to be able to go see some hot water and get off that boat was a cool thing. So the skipper said, okay, you can. And so three of us got on the skiff. Uh, we found the little cove. We dried, you know, we hit the beach with the skiff. We climbed out. We made sure we pulled it up a little bit. It was high tide, past the high tide watermark. And we were so excited because the chart actually enabled us to get to that little landmark that we wanted to. And it was a really a fun time. I mean, just imagine everything is tundra, frozen snow, and then here's this natural hot tub, and we were able to divert the water to cool it down a little bit, and then get in there, and we stayed, and, and we stayed, and then we stayed, and we thought, man, we were supposed to do this for two hours. We said we'd be back. It, we'd exceeded that time. And so we think we better go back. We go over the little bluff to look down, and we see our skiff, and it's right on the beach where we left it. And guess what? What we didn't realize or didn't uh, take notice of? In the Alaskan waters, in the Bering Sea, when you're that far north, when tide goes out, let me tell you, it goes out. It was almost three quarters of a mile out. We were just stuck. I mean, the, it looked like, um, it, you know, the boat that we were on that we'd used uh, was like a little island. And then you look for the... A 38 foot fishing boat and it just seems so far away 
And so you don't have cell phone coverage. You don't have all that stuff to even communicate to them. We knew we were, you know, we made a bad choice. So we had to wait for the tide to come in. We get back. And it was interesting because what happened is uh, the skipper, when we got back, said, you know, I trust you guys uh, to get back in a timely manner. This is, this is dangerous areas. There's Godiacs. You can't just, you can't make these kind of mistakes. He said, I thought you'd looked at the charts and you saw the high water tide. Did you not see the low? And we, and we said, no. And he said, you know, until I can trust you with being able to read charts, uh, I'm very limited into what I'm going to let you do. So no, no more off the boat adventures for you guys for a while. And I mentioned this because that was seared into me. And, and when I read the Bible, we are moving in uncharted waters. We need to know what's really going on. This isn't like, oh, just uh, maybe you'll get stuck at high tide. This is, hey, there's rocks underneath the water and you hit that thing and you could go down. This stuff is serious. This is, this is how a person can be set up for not only success in life on earth, but to be set up for success for eternity. This is a book that says when you feel disconnected, you can actually be connected to God himself. This is a book that says he's not just a God that's far away. He's your father. He's a God that even if you are in prison, he can make you feel free. That's what this is. And so I'm asking, let's use this season right now to go deep into the Word of God. Let's read through this. Let's look at it and say, how can I have my life changed by this Word, by this truth, by this letter? So that's what we're going to seek uh, to do this very day. I want to give you a little bit of an overview of two things before we jump in. One, I want to give you an overview of the city, Colossae. And so Colossae was an interesting city. It was in what we would call uh, modern-day Turkey today, and at one point, it was a major city for commercial uh, environments. It was thriving. The people there were on top of the world. And then uh, they started to go into this decline as the uh, Roman Empire spread. And so now at this point, at 55 to 61 AD, when it was written, it was in steep decline. And so what's interesting is it's still full of a lot of divergent people, divergent views, which at one time served it well in this commercial environment. But now when the uh, retail stores were all closed, hint, hint, when things weren't going well, uh, what's uh, fascinating to understand is that same thing that used to make you um, successful can now be a hardship. So now you're interacting with people that aren't like you. Now all of a sudden, uh, things are hard and difficult. And if you're not very well connected to others, then it is indeed, you know, it can be a hardship and you don't know how to rely on people because you haven't built the right relationships with them. And so they were in this place of decline. They were in a place of needing others. And so one of the things that the church had done there had been started, it wasn't started by Paul, it was uh, most likely started by um, Epaphras, one of uh, Paul's converts. But what they'd done in an attempt to reach other people is that they were uh, allowing all thoughts and all varieties, again, the, this amazing divergent opinions, into this body. And they were collectively working together of how, how can we sort through all these truths. That portion, you're going to see Paul says, it's fine to have those divergent opinions. It's, time to it's great to collaborate and work and talk and feel connected. But what you can't do is try to build something solid on something that isn't foundationally right. And so he's going to get to them. He's going to say some of your theology is not going to set you up to do well. And so he's going to hit that. At the same time, he also says, and this is what you're doing right. Let's reinforce it. 
And I just so much appreciate it because some people aren't going to read the book of Colossians just because you don't like Paul. I mean, I've heard it. He was, he was too harsh to the Corinthians. He actually even says this. Not only do I not want women to teach in church, I'd rather they not even speak. I mean, that is harsh. But I don't want you to write off everything uh, Paul has to say for a very important reason. When Paul was speaking to the Corinthians in this example, what he was doing is he's saying, because you Corinthians are in this very volatile place and you're not teachable and correctable, then I've got to put down strong boundaries. In other words, no more getting on the 14-foot boat and going after the thermal hot springs because you're just not ready you know, to do this well. You'll self-destruct if I let you do that. So I'm pulling back and creating stronger boundaries and limits for you. At others in, in other churches, he's saying like in Ephesians, I'm so thankful for these ladies who created such great leadership. In other places, he's saying, I learned the gospel, the truth of the gospel through Aquila and Priscilla. At other places, he's saying, he says, don't worry about boundaries and restrictions because where their spirit is, there is free to move forward. And Colossians is one of these books where you're going to see that he's uh, able to really build some freedoms. He's just doing some checks and balances on their theology, which is such a smart thing for all of us to do at all times. So that's the book of Colossians. Now can I move uh, for a moment to Redeemed Church? So Redeemed Church is also going uh, through a transition. We've had a founding uh, father as a pastor. Uh, Dave Riesinger really brought his very best version of himself to be able to invest in us as a body in this area of Lakewood and still come DuPont and even uh, Tacoma and surrounding regions. And at this point in his life, he feels that the Lord has said to him, it's time to go on mission to your family. It's time to back off from seeing church in that demographics and to see church in your own family and just love on people, get restored. And uh, we know that God's got new missions that he's gonna impart. Uh, for the Reesinger family. We've spent time loving on them and blessing them uh, for all the encouragement that they've given to us over the years. So that's the uh, pastoral assignment that God has for Dave Reesinger and his family. Well, God's also got an assignment for Redeemed Church. And what he's calling us to do is to solidify the things that are right, to build upon a foundation that can get back to really having the impact that it could on Lakewood, on Stillicum, and on DuPont and the surrounding regions. And so they've asked me to um, be an interim pastor for the next few months and just to solidify that which is right and to work with the staff and uh, also uh, coordinate the messages and uh, uh, what we're calling a transition team so that we know how to move the church forward. And this is what I want to make sure I communicate uh, to you as uh, a person that is uh, possibly connected to Redeem. And even if you're not, I'd love for you to hear what I think is amazing about church life. Number one with Redeem, I believe that the heart of Redeem in, in meeting with the elders and meeting with some of the leaders and certainly meeting with the staff is to see people connected, truly connected to the Lord and to one another. And we know we call that community, but that heart is there. It was Dave's heart. It's this church heart. It is foundational. We have never needed to be connected to Christ and to the people who love him more than right now. And so, Redeem, thank you. Uh, I've gotten already so much love and support from different individuals. I feel very connected. The, the second thing that I think is important to acknowledge is that the staff sees themselves as amazing coaches. 
And so they're not here just trying to oversee a ministry. They're trying to coach individuals to be all that we can be in Christ, to actually look like the person that Jesus lived, right? To follow that. And so they're setting us up as a, as a coach. And so if we really want to be connected and we have some coaches that can help build us and move us in the right direction, then I want you to feel great about reaching out to our staff. There's an email that says, hey, if I'm feeling disconnected, please respond to me. These individuals, Kurt will respond to you. Dana will respond to you. Youth, Diego will respond to you. Life groups, Liz will respond to you. Why? It's not a token thing. It's a connected community thing. They'll do it. One of the last things I want to make sure I acknowledge about our church is our content. And when I say content, I want you to know that we are so committed to the Word of God. That we, that we think this, this is the real curriculum, but this content and this curriculum is best when it comes to life. And it comes through, I mean, to life through you and I, through real people. And so we've got to live it. It's just not a sense of we're going to send you a nice little verse to encourage you. No, we've got to be able to live this word. And I, I know that that is the heartbeat of the advisory council. That's the heartbeat of the elders. That's the heartbeat of the staff. And so we're going to map this thing out to where this word comes to life. And so even the, our first commitment to go through an entire book in the Bible, uh, paragraph by paragraph, is a chance for God to use His Holy Spirit to breathe truth and life in each of us so that we can kind of be the living vessel or the, the living word to individuals and to one another. So that's our, our commitment. And you're going to see that Colossians is going to be right on that, if you won't mind me saying so, that same page. That is the page. That's the heart of Colossians. So let's get back to it. And I'm just going to read Colossians chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 8. You know, just a, one little more uh, word of instruction is that the Bible is written in chapters and verses. And the verses were assigned by scholars who felt like these would be good starting and stopping places. And one of the things that they used to know when to start and stop wasn't, was an idea, which parallels what we would call a paragraph oftentimes. Well, sometimes an idea is carried in more than one paragraph, maybe it'll have two, and that's what's called, what the scholars would call a paracopy. And so a paracopy is a segment of scripture that's carrying one main content or one main idea. And so, uh, there may be two paragraphs that we do instead of just one, but for the most part, we're able to do this through chapters and verses by one paragraph at a time. And so I'm going to be reading uh, verses 1 through 8, which is a paracopy, which is, uh, in this particular case, it is one paragraph. Read with me, would you please? It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faith faithful brethren in Christ, who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We're going to just kind of stop. This is a, an introduction uh, to the letter, and I just want, want you to hear Paul's heart here. He's already saying, hey, this individual here named Timothy, he's more than just an individual. He's my brother. And he's saying, because he's my brother, that makes you, Colossae, family to me too. And I, I just think it's so important for us to realize that you, as a follower of the Lord, as a person just 
committed to know who God is. That brings you into a place from outside to inside. That brings you into a place where we're in this thing called the brethren, you know, the family of God. And so when you are in the family of God, can I tell you there's two things that are going to make it work. Now, hear this from an individual who grew up in a family with seven kids. All right, so I have three brothers and three sisters. It takes a lot of grace, space, and peace to make a family work well. And Paul knew that right off the beginning, he's saying grace and peace to you. And so that's not flippant. That means if you really want to have all these individuals come together, and if we really want to be one family with all the differences between male and female and culture and age, all these demographics, you better know how to give each other grace and peace. So I'm appreciative of that. And then he's going to go on, and I like the next uh, portion of verses 3 through 8, which is the meat of the paragraph, because in it he's going to say, and this is how I see you. And so, again, remember, there's never been a time more important, I think, uh, in the last couple of years to be seen than right now. We all feel somewhat isolated. And so being seen is such a gift. There's racial tension. There's this uncertainty of political activities. If I could just be seen, if I could just be heard, if I could be a part of doing something in the community that could make it better, I would feel like there's a, a different level of hope and connection. And that's what he's going to bring forward. Verse 3, he says, we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. This is what I want to share with you that I think is so amazing about this content. He's going to begin it by saying, I'm giving thanks for you. Have you ever just given somebody thanks in advance before they earned it? Paul had never been there. Heard some things from Timothy, heard some concerns. And he's going to start off by thinking of it like this way. Wait a minute. These guys are actually believers trying to impact their community. How do you not give thanks for that? Not only that, but it's a community in decline. It's a community with a lot of diversity and divergent opinions. Why would you not give thanks for people stepping up and trying to do something amazing instead of just trying to plod their way through it, hoping they'll get out of it, right? And so can I tell you right now, whoever's listening to this, I give thanks. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful that you would listen to this, that you would take time right now to seek God in the middle of some craziness. I thank you that you haven't given up on wanting community, on wanting to feel connected, on wanting to know the content of this uh, word of life so that, in change, so that it literally changes our lives. I'm so thankful that you could be called faithful in that quest. And you're going to see in the uh, book of Colossians that there's an expression that he uses, Paul uses, to define the Christians in Colossae, and that's faithful. And he's going to commend them for their faith. Can you just stop for a moment and think of how wonderful it is to be known as a person of faith? It's almost like uh, sometimes, you know, I serve on a school board in our community, and I love serving on our school board. I'm an elected official. But the way that I bring faith to a secular environment isn't in telling people that they need to do certain things to follow Christianity. My faith is that if I live the things that are really meaningful and important, it's going to have a wonderful impact on those around me. That if I bring those truths and those tenets to life, um, I don't have to 
try to persuade anybody of anything because my faith is that when we step up and do what's right, it works. And so he's going he's gonna to say, your faith is something I'm really thankful for. Can we just stop again and think about the decision that you've made to try to find an invisible God through faith? Think about it for me when I, I, I'm hearing Jesus walking up to some fishermen. Now, they're not on the barren sea. They're uh, in Galilee. But he says to them, hey, drop the nets, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And these guys actually do it. They have enough faith to follow him. And then, and then I think at the very end, he says, you know, what's going to be better than for you to be able to hear these words? Well done, my good and faithful servant. And then when he says, I'm coming back, and everybody's saying, can we just make it through this? Can, where it's the way out? The way out is him returning. Even when he returns, he says, regardless of when I return, that's not the point. The point is, will I find what on earth? Faith. Faith is so significant to God. And so I'm thankful for when people step out in faith. I am so amazed that um, individuals don't see the value of faith because when you don't have faith, you are actually limited to the resources that you can see. And everything that we have available to us right now, what we can see has gotten us to this place, which by the way is not so great. And so I don't have faith in all the things that I can see to get me out of what isn't going well. But I have faith in a God who can change everything. I have faith in a God who knows the beginning from the end. In fact, with him there is no beginning and he is from everlasting to everlasting. My faith really is in Him. So people, thank you. Redeemed Church, thank you for being a people of faith. May our faith be contagious in our communities and in our home lives. Another thing that he's going to go on to say is that, um, that I also am thankful for the love which you have for all the saints. Think in terms of what's just been said. I want to thank you because you love all the saints. Now, first of all, we could take the word love and say, let's do a, a word study on love. Well, I can, I can tell you now, we all know that there's basically four different levels in words for love. This is the highest. This is agape. This is unconditional love that is given regardless of another person's station in life, position, or performance. You don't earn it. You're just given it. It's truly unconditional. In fact, if you can't love uh, somebody unconditional, then what you're really doing is you're loving them with a string attached. And if there's any strings attached, it's not unconditional love. So it's not agape. And here he's saying, I'm so grateful that you're able to love all the saints that way. I think one of the greatest gifts we can give somebody is to love them. And for me, love starts with an um, automatic setup of I value you. You are worth unconditional love. You're not, it's, it's not worth, it's not fair to you. It's not in your best interest if I love you with strings attached. I don't know if you've ever had those nice people knock on your door and say, I want you to follow this way or that way. And if you do these things, you'll earn favor and earn points with God. And at some point, God will accept you and you're going to be okay. That, that might be well-intentioned people. But listen, if I have to earn and do all these things to make God love me, I'm in trouble. I need to be loved right now where I'm at because love is what moves me from this place to the next place. It's not my effort. It's my being loved that moves me. And so love is that significant. And then number two, I just want to um, 
acknowledge in that unconditional love that's given to us, here it's going to say, for all the saints. Now, I love the word saints as well. I've preached on it before. It's, it's hagios, it's, it's holy ones. And so this is tied to love because this is what, when God says that you've received me and you've given your life to me, I put you in a place of being holy. Not that you're trying to become holy. I now put on you holiness. You are my holy ones. You are my holy child. And so we get to go and learn how to walk in that, to walk in that holiness, being set apart, being made right with God. But we can't try to make ourselves right when we've already been given right standing before God. That's why he says, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and everything else will fall into place. If you're seeking to become right on your own, you've missed what, it's, what he's really saying or you're missing the unconditional love. So that's the thankfulness. I want to be thankful for the way I've been loved on. I want to be thankful for an opportunity for the love of God that's impacted me so much that causes me to want to give that love to others. I also want to acknowledge that the most important word in this wasn't even, to me, wasn't even faith. It wasn't even love. It wasn't even saints. It's the word pas or the word all. All is used in the book of Colossians 30 times. And when I looked it up, because it, it just seemed too simple, but when I looked up the word all, it actually means a subset and section of the whole. So this isn't all like, you do, like this is all one big opportunity. You know, it's every piece is an important puzzle uh, that is, once it all comes together, you'll see that it's interconnected. And to not see it as interconnected doesn't see it in the right all. So this all is so important, and it moves us to the conclusion of our first uh, walk in the book of Colossians. And what we're going to see, go back with me to now verse 5 again. It says, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, in which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as in all the world. Also, it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf, and he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. This is one of the most uh, um, beautiful conclusions to a thought. This is what he says. There's so much hope for people of faith when they walk in love. Because when you are a person of faith and you are energized by love, it brings hope to the situation. So again, let's go back to the beginning. And I said, if you could almost go into the future, grab some hope and bring it back into your moment, into your present. Can you imagine the way that you could prepare and plan for your life? But if you try to plan and prepare for our lives without hope, it's a dismal end. It's not going to look good. Then you have to come back to, you know, it's time to turn or burn and get all harsh and kind of, uh, you know, un, uh, uh, un uh, informed in terms of this is what we can bring to the table versus you better do this or else. And so I want to infuse you with what Paul is infusing into the body at Colossae. It's hope. There's so much hope. Why? Because when you lean into the Word of God, it will always bear fruit on an increasing level. It will not quit. It does not stop. It doesn't, it doesn't have an end. It doesn't have barriers that restrict it from being able to move us from one place to the next. Take that hope 
and make sure that you factor that into your life right now. Otherwise, you're just going to be in a corner, either sucking our thumbs or screaming, and that's really not the world's best picture of what they need right now. In fact, if you turn the TV on, we've, we've seen too much of that, right? And so look at this in, in terms of the fact that not only can you receive hope, but you're a vessel of hope. And, and you know that uh, Paul also said to the Corinthians who were struggling so much, he said, you know what I really want for you is faith, hope, and love, and the grace of these is love. Because he knew love kept hope moving forward. And that's what he's telling us today. So, you know, right now I'm thinking of uh, my dad. Um, my dad's a very important person to me. He just is. I'm so grateful for everything that he's imparted into my life because he really did set me up in so many ways for success. So for my work ethic, for my optimistic view to, yes, you can do anything if you try hard enough and, and keep at it, if you persevere, I give so much of that credit to you, Dad, for that. And I've seen you in, over the last year, and I've mentioned this, that you've taken on cancer, you've taken on two heart uh, operations, and now you've taken on the isolation of COVID. And it's so hard for me not to be able to come and see you and to hug you and to be with you. It, it's really hard because I love you so much. And what I want to say to you is that this moment where we can't always get to connect people is a moment where we can go a little bit deeper. Maybe it's time for us to write out some of our thoughts just like uh, Paul wrote out this letter while he was in prison to these other individuals to spur them on to love and good deeds, not forsaking them. And so, Dad, I, you know, I know you may not think our phone calls mean that much, but when we get to talk on the phone, it means everything. And so however we can connect, let's connect and not, let's not settle uh, for not really knowing how to lean into each other and love one another. Transition team for the uh, church in Redeem, that's what we're going to be doing we are taking the next three months to come together to really love on each other in a way that we haven't before so that we can reimagine what a church could be like, not only in the middle of COVID, but in the years beyond. And I just want to bless each uh, one of those transition team members. I want to bless each person that is wrestling to stay engaged in the work of growing closer to God at such a difficult time as this. And how cool that we're not alone, that we have people, we have this word. And according to this, that the Spirit will actually fill us with not only the insights that we need, but the love we need to be able to move God's kingdom forward. Bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen.